Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective. I'm Ted Berg, joined as always on the line by the Athletics Mets beat writer Tim Britton. And Tim, when I was reading all about Buck Showalter drilling very specific and um, rarely employed baseball rules into his players, I thought it was cool. But in in the back of my head was this this like needling little thought of like, well, how often does that really come up? How many times in a season is there going to be some obscure rule that they are in position to exploit? And then 10 games into the season, we see a play that I have never seen before, which is on what was to be an appeal of a sacrifice fly. The Diamondbacks believed Dom Smith left early from third base. Uh, Oliver Perez steps off the mound to appeal. J.D. Davis takes off for, for second base. Now, I did not know this. As soon as Oliver Perez makes a baseball move that's not the appeal, uh, the appeal play is off. So the Mets get that run automatically, whether or not Dom Smith left early. He didn't, but that's immaterial. Uh, and then Perez has a little uh, short circuit, throws it over, or didn't know the rules, right? went for the appeal, whatever it was, um, which you can't really blame him for because I didn't know the rule either. Uh, he throws to third. J.D. Davis gets a, gets a stolen base off it. And Buck Showalter earns every single bit of that praise. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a funny play. Like, for my first reaction is that the appeal rule is kind of ridiculous, right? That, that you have to do it a very specific yeah. way. I mean, it, it uh, I guess, mirrors, like, the appeals process in legal terminology uh, and how it goes in that world. Uh, but, like, that you have this uh, very specific way of going about it and if you if you divert from that for even the slightest second or hesitation no it's over you don't get to appeal anymore uh it seems like ah. if, if the goal is to get things right then the it shouldn't matter how you try to appeal uh like you should be able to just th wait but throw to third ah. like you should have to step on the mound step off immediately throw to third i mean you should be able to just say like hey i think he i think he left early and challenge yeah, i think it, that's you know, that i think that's right I think that's right, but I do think there needs to be a limit. There needs to be a limit on when they can, how long they can, right? Like, you can't throw a pitch and then appeal. The yeah, I'm not saying, you so, know, like, it's, not like, it's not like yeah. two batters later you can appeal. Um, I think it should just be, like, immediate, right? Like, that, right after the play, before the pitcher even gets him out, or gets the ball in the mound, throw the ball to third. If he's if he left early, he's out. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that you need to go through, if, if we're not throwing four balls for an intentional walk, I don't know why you need to, to go through this, this uh choreography to appeal especially right. when it opens up this loophole for a runner to, to start running uh i do think uh like you know it's, it's interesting that that specific circumstance uh for the mets up three nothing two outs runner on first in the bottom of the uh sixth inning or was that seventh um i think it was the sixth uh it does make total sense to sacrifice that out to make sure the third run scores 
Uh, there are other circumstances where, you know, if the Mets are down three to two in that spot and J.D. Davis runs on the thought that Dom Smith might have left early, well, that's a terrible play to, to trade an out right. for that. Um, so I, I think the, the specific circumstances helped. Um, and I, I believe it was J, J.D. gave credit to Tomas Nito for telling him to run. So, you know, you don't need everyone to know every rule inside and out. You just need someone uh, who you who the other players feel confident enough in to know the rules to, to prompt someone. Uh, and the, the last part of it um, that I was thinking through, um, you know, I forget what the last part of it I was thinking through was. I had one other thought in mind, but but I've lost it. I shout out to Thomas Nito. That was pretty much like my role on my high school football team was like guy who is paying attention, <laughs> right? Like if you're just, if you're just paying attention, then that gives you a certain level of, of uh, not necessarily athletic skill, but value to your team uh, as demonstrated there by Nito. And, and again, like uh, as ridiculous as it seemed uh, credit to Showalter. I can't believe that happened. Oh, oh, now, I, oh so I, I remembered my last point. Uh, which, which is that uh, I love how confused baseball players get by these rules. Like it's clear that even, you know, like the Mets have gone over these, you know, they, they spent uh, the time in spring training to go over them to take advantage of other teams, not knowing the rules. Uh, we, we hear this, like anytime there's a tie in the NFL, it's like all of the players like, wait, we can tie. And it happens twice a year right. now. Uh, and, you know, we see this with like infield flies uh, I've always been. I've always advocated that players should drop infield flies on purpose to sow confusion, uh, and you know you'd get more outs that way than just catching them all the time. Uh, you know we've seen that. I, I remember that happening in a Mets, I, Mets Atlanta game like a long time ago with Chipper Jones or something. Uh, so I, you know I think there are ways to uh, exploit a lack of familiarity with some of the uh, more arcane rules in the sport that teams should be going after as much as possible. The infield fly rule should be employed as like an IQ test <laughs> because it's like if, if you think through the infield fly rule, it makes perfect sense. And like and then as soon as the ball is hit in the air in that situation, you're like, oh, right. It needs to be the infield fly right now, um, like the infield fly, even if you haven't thought about it being in effect. But um, I mean, certainly I have been playing in baseball games where I have lost track of it and it, it does seem like it happens all the time. Um Showalter also gets a lot of praise for his bullpen management. We've discussed that. Um, the Mets, all three of the Mets' losses have come from bullpen mishaps. But I would say, in defense of the Mets' bullpen, that for the most part, the bullpen has been okay. Um, if you look up and down, like Edwin Diaz has been good, Drew Smith has been good, Shreve has been good, Adafino has been good. Um, and of course the losses are going to be on the bullpen because the starting pitching doesn't allow any runs. So it sort of um, it sort of hangs the bullpen out to dry because if they allow two or three runs, then those are the that that could be the loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the guy who, who's struggled so far is Seth Lugo. Uh, right. and Seth Lugo and Joely Rodriguez have been the two guys. Well, um, it's, I mean, but to, just to be fair, uh, Rodriguez took the loss on Sunday. He had a nice outing. Like it was a, it was an infield hit that that earned him the loss. Right. Uh, on Saturday, you mean? Uh, but on Saturday, uh, and and Lugo has given up. You know, Lugo's start reminds me a bit of the one he had in 2019, where I think he he gave up like six or eight runs in his first in the first two weeks of the season, and then gave up six or eight runs for like the next three months. Uh, so I'm you know I, I 
I'm so confident that Lugo will be a good reliever for them. We've talked about Rodriguez uh, on the a couple episodes. I've written about him a little bit. Uh, the some concerns there about just how value you know how useful he will be in high leverage situations for the Mets, given the three batter rule. You know, and the, the starters they played ten games. Uh, only once has the starter given up more than one run. That was Max Scherzer in the second game of the season against Washington, a game the Mets won uh, pretty easily. Uh, you know, in uh, I believe eight of the ten games, the starter has left with the lead, uh, and in the other two, he, the starter left in a nothing-nothing tie. So uh, the the starting pitching has certainly led the way for the Mets. The bullpen overall, uh, I don't know what the, the bullpen ERA is offhand. I mean, the team ERA is two three five. The starter is one oh seven. So the bullpen ERA can't be, you know, it's not like it's up over four or five or anything like that. It, it's it's relatively pretty good. Um, but yeah, when when the starters are not allowing any, haven't allowed six runs, six earned runs total, the bullpen has allowed seventeen. Uh, it seems like it's it's all on one part of the team and not not necessarily the other. And and I'm with you in thinking that Lugo will ultimately be fine. I I think with him. Based on, on recent seasons, obviously, there's always a little bit of a concern about an injury, and, and um, you hope he's healthy. But I think if he is healthy, this is the type of thing that, that he'll iron out. I think that's probably uh, the same for, for Trevor May, who, who has been shaky in the early parts of the season, only three innings, all of these things, tiny samples. But we've talked so much about Showalter's you know, touch and feel for his relief core. Um, is this the moment now when you uh, – you, you lean a little harder on on Diaz. You go to Drew Smith in the eighth inning. You go to Adovino in the eighth inning, and and you take some of the high leverage innings away from Lugo and May for now, um, while they sort of recalibrate. I mean, I, I think in a bullpen you're always uh, like riding the hot hand in there. The bullpen area is four oh six. I misspoke when I said it wasn't over four. It's just over four. Uh, you know, so you ride a guy you know, like Drew Smith has pitched very well so far. Uh, I think it, it'll be interesting uh, how they deploy Smith versus Adovino. You know, we, we talked about it last week that, you know, Smith has his reverse splits. He's always been better against lefties than against righties. Adovino has always been kind of more of a right-handed specialist who does get lefties out as well, but not to the same extent. He gets righties out. Uh, and, you know, the Giants are not whole at the moment. They've got a couple pieces on the injured list. I don't know exactly how heavily they're playing their platoons like they did last year when the lineup you saw at the start of the game was going to be almost entirely different by the end of the game uh, against when they pinch hit against certain relievers. A guy like Smith can be especially useful against a team like that. A guy like Jason Shreve, who, who has generally pitched to uh, no platoon splits over the course of his career, uh, has, has gotten righties out the same rate as lefties uh, for the majority of his career, those guys can be especially useful when you're facing a team that tries to exploit the platoon advantage as uh, aggressively as San Francisco does. Uh, so, you know, Adovino, Lugo, guys who haven't been as successful against lefties over the course of their careers might be less uh, palatable as options just this week. And especially considering the way that, that Smith and Shreve have pitched uh, of late, maybe they you do give them more of a higher leverage look than you would otherwise because of how, how good they're pitching right now in the moment. The Mets' last couple of games have come without two outfielders. Brandon Nimmo and Mark Kanner are both on the, the injured list due to uh, testing positive for COVID. We know um, it, it seems to me from the outside like the, um, the flow of information, I guess, understandably, isn't exactly the same with, with players going on the shelf for COVID reasons rather than like if it was a, a sprained knee or something. Do we have a sense of when Nimmo and Canna might be back? 
Uh, I mean, it's it's they have to test negative. Uh, it is right. uh, what I've heard is that it is regardless of vaccination status. Uh, so, you know, Kenna has said that he said last year he told reporters in Oakland that he was vaccinated. Nimmo has not disclosed either way uh, that, you know, regardless of that, if they they test negatively through uh, PCR tests, I'm not sure if it's one negative test or if, it, if it's multiple that have to be a certain number of hours apart. Uh, you know, that was the old health and safety protocols uh, for Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm not positive what it is now, but it, it involves negative tests. They don't have to be on the injured list for 10 days or anything like that. Uh, and once they come back, uh, they get reinstated to the 40-man roster, which means the Mets will have to designate at least one player for assignment uh, from, from who replaced them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's they, they've been fortunate in this regard that they did carry someone like Travis Jankowski at the start of the season. Jankowski has gotten off to uh, a, a relatively good offensive start. I think he's uh, he was 5 for 10 going into Sunday, uh, I think 5 for 12 now on the year. Uh, and a guy who plays, you know, above average defense in, diff- in all three outfield spots. So he's been uh, more valuable than you would have thought in the first two weeks of the season because of this, uh, that the Mets have have showcased a little bit of their their position player depth in a way that you know we weren't sure that they had in spring training. Yeah, it's been it's been um, you know obviously you know Jankowski is not, not going to hit four seventeen all year. We know what a five for twelve sample size is, but it's fun to see you know he's a he is a player who does have something to offer, um, and it's a and it's a different sort of skill set than they have elsewhere on the roster and. Um, while you'd rather have Nimmo and Canna playing for sure, it's fun to see what a guy like that can do um, in the hopes that he can do it in a limited role uh, down the stretch and into the postseason. Yeah, you know, and, and we've talked about uh, the May 2nd like date of going down from 28 to 26 players. You know, Jankowski would be the guy you would say by that point, you know, if everyone is healthy, which is the enormous uh, knock on wood here, you know, the, the Mets are you're, almost no team has like its regular position player core all healthy at the same time uh, at any point after the start of spring training. Uh, but, mm. you know, Jankowski, you can imagine being the odd man out in that that circumstance. Uh, but he is, the way he has played makes that less likely to be the case. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And they've got, uh, you know, we're speaking on Monday night. Uh, this Tonight's game has already been banged, as they say, due to the, we're speaking at 744, the game would be on right now. But uh, it has been postponed for rain, meaning they'll have a doubleheader uh, to start to start off their series with the Giants uh, and a bunch of, of really compelling pitch up, pitching matchups in this one. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to end up playing four games in like 50 hours against the Giants, depending on how long Thursday afternoon's game goes. Uh, and, you know, the the Tuesday uh, nightcap game of Logan Webb versus Max Scherzer, that is game one of the NLDS last year, right? That uh, A rematch uh, with, with how well Webb pitched in that series against the Dodgers um, and, and has really emerged, you know, I think, there was the thought going into last season that like Logan Webb was a nice fantasy sleeper, uh, a guy who who might turn into like a pretty good number four starter for the Giants, uh, and then by July and 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 then certainly in October showed himself that like oh no this is a this is a number one this is an ace uh, of a 107 win team, uh, so the, the Mets see him and then Wednesday uh, you've got Chris Bassett versus Carlos Rodon which is kind of the, a debate that Mets fans had with themselves over the course of the winter who who would they prefer to add. Bassett in a trade or Rodone through free agency. Uh, both of them have looked really good. So, you know, I think I think Rodone has only made one start. I'm not sure if he's made two yet, uh, but has looked good uh, in his, I think he struck out 12 in his first start and Bassett has been very good in his two starts for the Mets. So uh, really interesting pitching matchups there. And just, a, you know, the Giants present a stiffer challenge for the Mets than the Diamondbacks certainly did. The Diamondbacks, uh, you know, I I know they lost 110 games last year. I thought they, they would look better at the start of this season than they did for for much of last year and they they didn't necessarily uh they didn't look like they they could play they didn't look like they had a natural outfield defender at any of the three spots in any of the three games which was a bit jarring to watch uh but san francisco's got the third best run differential in the league to start the year they're seven and two mets have the second best run differential they're they're both just behind the dodgers uh and you know, you've got it's it's a tougher test for Tyler McGill against that San Francisco lineup. Uh, it's a tougher test for New York's hitters whether their approach works against uh, that San Francisco rotation and that bullpen that that again tries to get the best matchups possible for the Giants in the, the second half of the game. Uh, so uh, I think uh, we'll learn we'll know a bit more about the Mets. You know, between this podcast and and the the live show later in the week than than we usually do in that gap. Yeah, I think you know considering how early it is in the season uh it's a bit of a litmus test series uh you love uh, like seven and three is a great way to start um but like you said you know two wins against the diamond uh, you know beggars can't be choosers i don't want to be picky uh there, there's a series against the nationals in there right like it's 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 it'll be nice to see or interesting to see how they play how they look against against the big teams in the national league one thing I learned, and I want to get to a question and then wrap up, but uh, I, I do want to mention, uh, I've noticed something on Instagram. Are you are you, are you you on Instagram, Tim? I dabble, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I follow a bunch of these, like, I would call it, like, pitching porn accounts where they just show, like, crazy pitches from Major League games. Um, and something I've noticed is when I go to like those posts, you know, it shows you that, like, how many people have liked it before. And like half the time on those pitching porn things, Edwin Diaz has already liked that post. Whether or not it's Edwin Diaz, he has thrown the ball. And um, I really appreciate that. I think it's cool that this guy who like just a few years ago was the only person throwing crazy sliders that moved that way, now lives in a world where every team has a guy who throws pitches that move that way. And he's still cool with it. And he is just going to be out there liking these things on Instagram. Yeah, you know, it's... I think one of the bigger uh, tide shifts in baseball uh, over the last probably five or six years, it's, it's not even, uh, it's not a longer trend yet, uh, is just how much more guys 
uh, know about the craft of pitching and are open about it with reporters. And like, you know, you, you hear a lot more about pitch design and uh, the quantifiable things about horizontal break and, and induced vertical break, like the, the vocabulary that, that is required to talk uh, elevated pitching with a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher now is entirely different from what it was when I started covering baseball in 20, 2009. Uh, it's just, it's, it's remarkable uh, how the, uh, how ingrained it is within uh, basically every pitcher now. Uh, the, those concepts, they gr they've grown up with them now in a way that uh, no one, you know, Josh Beckett and John Lackey did not in the in the Red Sox clubhouse when I started right. as a beat reporter. Uh, and now, you know, you can have that conversation with a guy and, and not get laughed out of the room. In fact, if, if you don't know those things, uh, you're not going to get the same respect from them in a in a, a clubhouse interview. Uh, and so it's it's good to see, you know, Edwin being interested in those kinds of things because his slider is, uh, you know, just about as good as any. And, and we're seeing more and more of those kind of horizontal sweeping sliders, those Adovino sliders uh, in the game this year than we have in a, in a while. And that's a great segue to our question from Simon. But I want to say uh, just to, to in, in regards to pitch design, if you haven't read it yet, Lindsay Adler wrote a really, really excellent feature about on this topic uh, for The Athletic. Sort of focused on some of the Yankees guys, but uh, just a really interesting piece on what's it called? Seam seam shifted wake. Yes, yeah. She <laughs> seam I'm shifted so wake. Old. I know. I'm it's so like... old. I remember being like, I know about OPS, folks. <laughs> I put pluses after stats. That's yeah. how I'm good. Yeah, like just you know, when I was at the the Providence Journal, uh, we used to get m me and my uh, my partner on the beat brian mcpherson used to get like made fun of by the other beat writers because we would ask like specific pitching questions but our specific pitching questions would be like are you throwing your change up more to right handers too uh and not right. and not like so when you throw this slider what why do you you know what yeah. what is your clock mirror looking like the spin yeah. mirror are you a magnus um, force guy or are right, you like, a seam shifted weight guy yeah like what university did you attend to learn more about physics this past off season yeah uh, it's wild. Well, so, so speaking of which, uh, Simon wants to know, what is the likelihood that the Mets will extend Jeremy Hefner's deal before he hits the market? It seems like he's getting results from just about everyone he gets to work with. It would stink to lose him because we undervalued his work. I don't know what replacement options we'd, we'd have. First thing I would say, and you can answer the rest of this, is just Simon, you're getting ahead of yourself a little bit. <laughs> a, a little bit. I mean, like... Right, it, like it was, I, we're already worrying about his replacement. He hasn't left. He, like, we still got him. The, the first thing I thought of uh, is that the Mets did that in, in late October last year. Uh, and, you know, like there was the chance while they were letting the rest of the coaching staff leave, uh, they had an option year on Jeremy Hefner that they exercised before they had built out any other part of the coaching staff, before they even had a general manager. They made the decision that they wanted to retain Jeremy Hefner. So it, it, I think that shows you the respect they have for him uh, in the organization. Uh, I know the, the pitching staff, uh, especially uh, the guys who've been here for, the, the few years that, that Jeremy has been here uh, appreciate the work he's done. Uh, I think, you know, he is, he's got pretty good job security. I would say at this point, you never know with, with coaching staffs, it can, it can go South quick on guys. Uh, but uh, I think that that's a question that the Mets should not be too concerned about uh, at this point in the season, uh, as good as their rotation has been. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, as Simon points out, I think the the results speak for themselves with with Hefner. But I'm sure even Hefner would tell you that like it takes a village to raise a pitching staff, and there are you know countless scouts and and uh, roving pitching coordinators and everything else working with these guys. Um, I understand at least that the hierarchy sort of is is different in different organizations. Do you have a sense of like? who is because i know in in some cases it is the major league pitching coach who is sort of like steering the ship for an organizational fit pitching philosophy do you know where that's coming from with the mets at this point yeah i, th- I think one of the reasons they liked hefner uh was because he had this idea for not just the, the major league pitching staff but the entire organization uh you know that that took a hit last year and that a lot of the people that they put into place and they got really excited about kind of building a, a pitching development pipeline uh left after or or even within the season didn't survive the entire season uh on the staff with the mets so uh they're kind of restarting that again this year that that's been something i've been wanting to get into to write about uh for a little while but haven't gotten around to yet uh but hefner is an integral part of that as kind of you know they, they want you know it used to be in organizations it was kind of like you hired different pitching coaches at each level and they might have different philosophies on how a guy should attack someone so you, your double a pitching coach might say like shelve that cutter you don't need that i want you throwing your change up and then you get to AAA, and the AAA coach is like, you've got a cutter? We should play that up. I don't like your changeup. Uh, and now, uh, you know, the, the Mets, and I think just about any major league organization is trying to have mm-hmm. kind of a consistent message uh, for the entire, for the pitcher throughout his entire developmental process with the, with the team, uh, with the organization. And Hefner is, is the most critical piece of that for the Mets at the moment. Yeah, you want to become one of those teams. I remember uh, when the Astros signed Jake Odorizzi, uh, my and and you know didn't didn't immediately activate him uh, if I remember right. My friend texted and said like, "Oh, the Astros just need time to to upload the software into into Jake and Odorizzi. You want to be the team with the software, you know." And then it didn't. Not that it, it like worked out especially well in that particular case, but it almost feels like you know a guy gets traded to the Rays, uh, a sort of like a fringe prospect AAA guy with good control winds up on the on the Guardians. And um, this guy, Adam Holler, that the Mets sent to Adam Holler, was that his name? Yes. That the Mets yeah. sent to the A's. Like, we know how that ends, right? <laughs> like, you know, the A's are going to press the right buttons to make this guy great. Um, and so you, you want to hope that the Mets are becoming one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Andrew Heaney effect with the Dodgers, right? Like, if the Mets had signed Andrew Heaney to the same deal, uh, they would not have had the same credibility that the Dodgers had when they signed him to that. Right. And, you know, for the same, like, for justifiable reasons. Uh, the Mets have not been that team uh, over the last for for a good while now, and we've seen other teams gamble against the Mets that that they can get more out of someone than the Mets could. That's why the Phillies paid so much for Zach Wheeler. That's why the Angels paid so much for Noah Syndergaard. Uh, so your your hope as an organization is that you can become the team that uh, other teams are are having to overpay for your guys, not because they think they can unlock more, but because they want to keep that production level while you can go out and sign someone else for two years. You know, basically what the Giants are doing. You know, the Giants, they got the best out of Kevin Gosman. They let him go, sign the five-year deal in Toronto. Uh, and now they're going to try to get, you know, sign Alex Cobb to a two-year deal, sign Rodon to a two-year deal, and get the most out of them for that stretch of time. Let them go and bring in someone else behind that because they just, they believe so much in their developmental system. Thanks to Simon for the question. If you have a question for the podcast, you can email asktedberg at gmail.com. You can get at Tim on Twitter at Tim Britton. I'm at OG Ted Berg. 
We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And Tim, peace out. And I, I apologize. It was not Logan Webb versus Max Scherzer in game one. It was Bueller. But, you know, the same same idea that it is uh, NLD, NLDS redux with, with Scherzer against the Giants. Uh, well, I appreciate the correction um, we issued in time for the for the end of the show, rather than mine last week, which when I misspoke, I, I didn't misspoke. I didn't know that uh, Walter Mosley's book was from 1990 and not the, the 60s when I said it's written as if it's from the 60s. It's very much in that style, but it's from 1990. Uh, so all, all the corrections are now out there. Now, for real, Tim. Peace out. Adios. Adios.